I told my mother and my grandma, I was watching television. I can't remember what game it was that I was watching on the TV, NFL game. And I told them, I looked, I turned around in the living room, sitting on the floor, and I told my grandmother and my grandmother, I said, one day I'm going to be on TV. I said, one day I'm going to be playing in the NFL. One day I'm going to even play in the Super Bowl. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Perry Williams, retired NFL player and Super Bowl champion. He's also a keynote speaker and the director of sports management at LIU. On a team of stars, Perry Williams was an unsung hero and silent leader of the New York Giants football team for 11 seasons. He was the starting right cornerback for one of the most storied and dynamic defenses in NFL history, culminating with two NFL Super Bowl championships in 86-87 and 90-91. Impressively, Perry holds the record for the most games played as a defensive back in the history of the Giants, a testament to his dedication and consistency. Perry's greatest accomplishment as a New York Giant was not his All-Pro Honors or Super Bowl championships, but rather that he was a benefactor and now a director of outreach programs for the New York Giants degree completion program at Fairleigh Dickinson University, which has since become the model adopted by the NFL and its members' teams for the benefits of its players. In the fall of 2019, he was appointed Director of Sports Management at Long Island University. During his professional football career offseason, Perry earned a criminal justice slash sociology Bachelor of Arts degree from North Carolina State University and a Master of Public Administration degree from Fairleigh Dickinson University. This is a feat that is virtually unheard of in the lucrative world of professional sports. Perry has been selected as a recipient of the Sports Ethic Fellow Humanitarian Award, the Alex Baker Memorial Humanitarian Award, the Trey Whitfield Foundation Leadership Award, and the Platinum Minds Community Leaders Award. Perry Williams now is also a highly sought-after motivational speaker that has been invited to work with such companies as ExxonMobil, Starbucks, IBM, UPS, and Verizon Wireless. He has lectured at hundreds of schools, colleges, and universities, as well as other respected organizations such as the United Way Foundation. Listen in for some great takeaways about Perry's journey as a two-time Super Bowl champion and how preparing for life after football has allowed him to be a champion both on and off the field. Well, we have an amazing guest today. We have Perry Williams, retired NFL player and Super Bowl champion, as well as a keynote speaker and the director of sports management 
at LIU, Long Island University. Thanks for joining us today, Perry. Hey, thank you very much, Larry, for having me. I mean, I'm excited about the opportunity to be here with you and uh, get ready for this nice conversation. So am I. It's not every day I get to share space with a Super Bowl champion, especially a, a New York Giant who I'm a fan of. You know, everybody knows me as a hockey guy, oh. but I'm also a football guy, and my, right. my team of choice is the Giants. Fantastic. So, well, you're from the Giants Nation, and we're glad to have you on with us, of I course. Am. I am. I mean, you've had a great career. But listen, what I want to do is share a little bit about Perry Williams and who you are. Can you share with our listeners your background, where you came from, all your accomplishments? Bring us to today in a 10,000-foot view, if you could. Well, I'm from North Carolina, Larry, originally, a little town called Hamlet, North Carolina. Many, many people have never heard of it. It's between Raleigh and Charlotte. If anybody play golf out there in your listening world, I live by Pinehurst. I live the next town over from Pinehurst. Wow. I play a little bit of golf. Not a real great golfer, but I can play a pretty good round. But grew up there. I had the uh, privilege and honor to go to North Carolina State University. I played for the Wolfpack from 79 to 1983. Then I had the great pleasure, and my dream became a reality in 1983, Larry. The New York Giants drafted me, so I played for the New York Giants from 83 to 1994. Through that time span, Larry, as you said, I was privileged enough to be on two Super Bowl teams. Not one, but two. <laughs> yeah, and won them, and we won. 87 and 91. So Buffalo Bills in 91, Jim Kelly, and then Denver Bronco John Elway in 87. So I went from there, and after I got out of the sports world, Larry, I transitioned to academics, and I've been involved with outreach, designing, character-building, life-skill, leadership, team-building programs for the last 30 years since I left the game in 94. So I do a lot of that. And then I had the privilege of working in academia in the collegiate level. I worked with, for a while for Farrell and Dixon University when I first retired from football for 20 years to be exact. And then I, and this is my fourth year with Long Island University here. So I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. Great out here in the Long Island area. And I'm enjoying what I do, especially working with these young men and young children, uh, young men and young women, women, I should say. My philosophy is, you know, it's about paying it forward. It's about paying for and being transformationally changing the lives of these young people. So that's what I'm really all about. Amazing. So you're giving back and sharing your wisdom and helping the youth of Long Island. And I thank you for that. I've had the opportunity to have a few former pro athletes on our show, including former NFLer Marcus Ogden, episode 72. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but one of the things we've had conversations about are careers for professional athletes being short, especially football. And you were one of the first, I believe, to participate in the NFL's degree completion program. Could you share a little bit about what that program is and why you chose to take part in that? Well, what happened was 1984, 85 to be exact, I met a gentleman. He was the vice president of Farrell and Dickinson University in New Jersey, in Bergen County, New Jersey. And he had a brainstorm. He saw something in a magazine for what my understanding was that a lot of athletes in the NFL did not graduate from college. 
And so he brainstormed the fact that maybe something can happen and maybe something can be done about that. And he came up with the concept. This this guy named was Ken Verkins. Unfortunately, he passed away. He came up with the concept. He called George on the general manager of the Giants at the time and said, "This is I got a proposal for you. I got a package here for you guys to go back to school during the offseason. And if they want to do it, it's optional. Then is take the classes at this university at Fairleigh Dickinson and then transfer your classes back for whatever prospective college you had gone to. That really happened, and we had our first meeting in 1985, and at that time I had only one semester to go to finish up my undergraduate. So, of course, I jumped in it, and many, about 17 other guys jumped in it. And I remember the first two guys were myself, Harry Corson, our middle linebacker, Hall of Famer, sure. George Morton, one of our defensive linemen, great defensive linemen. We were really like the first three to sign up. I went on from there, and we at the Giants at the time was the only NFL team doing this. Then the NFL ownership had a meeting like five years later, 1994, my understanding. And the other owners talked to uh, Mr. Merrill, Willard to Merrill at the time. Uh, now his son John is running in the Tish family is running the team. But Mr. Merrill sit in and told his, I guess, the fellow owners, hey, this is what we're doing with our guys in the offseason. And so in the, by 1990, it was implemented through the whole league. Tagliabue had implemented it through the whole team. Paul Tagliabue, the former commissioner. And the NFL started going from there. So it was a job, gentleman, as I said, out of Fairleigh Dixie University, New Jersey, who really created brainchild that. And I was one of the first ones who helped facilitate. I signed up, got in it. And from there, the rest was history. The other thing that I did also, I went to grad school off the program. Right. I went uh, during the off season, took classes. It was a challenge at the beginning, I must admit to you, because what guys coming out of football season and a long season, you want to go home, you want to hang out, you want to go to vacations or whatever. But I took the high road and took it upon myself. I challenged myself to, to go to school. So I went to school during the all season. And by 1991, I was retired, not from the football world, but out of the education. I was able to get my graduate degree. What's so significant about 1991, the reason I'm bringing that up, Larry, because we went to the second Super Bowl in 1991. Right. We beat Buffalo. That was in January of 91. And then June of 91, I received my master's degree in public Man. administration. What so, a great year, huh? That was a big year for me. Yeah. Was education always so important to you? I mean, it's it, clearly, <laughs> I, I think it is because well, otherwise you wouldn't have done what you did. But I understood it was of the essence of the importance I knew it was very important to go to school. And was I a great student? You know, I would say I was an average student. I learned how to push myself. I dedicated myself. I learned that from the sports industry. Right. You got to learn how to push yourself and be disciplined and all of those elements that goes along with that. So I started that. And it was something that I'm proud of. I've had the opportunity to play professional football for many years, well, to be exact on the team for 11 years, two Super Bowl championship, and then have two college degrees under my belt. That's something to be proud of. 100%. If I'm going to boast about anything, I'll boast about my education. Oh, well, I was going to say, what if you had to pick one? Is the Super Bowl a bigger milestone or the education? No, the education. That's amazing. That's knowledge amazing. is king. Yep, knowledge is king, and I, I'm wholeheartedly – up for that. And I tell people I'm an advocate for education. You get your education. I know, especially being a student athlete, that that's a grind. And then when you talk about working with student athletes, or going, rather than the middle school, a little league, it starts little league, then it go to middle school, then it go to high school, then it go to college in many cases. And in some cases, obviously you get a chance to play professional, but high school, middle school, and the elementary level, 
I mean, you have to be very disciplined. It's about discipline. It's about focus. It's about having a vision. And in time management, that's important. You got to have time and learn how to have time management. Being a student athlete was tough. So I understand that when I talk to the students at the university in my class, which is the sports management introduction, sports management that I teach, and I also lecture and teach the psychology of sports. Yeah. We're going to talk about that in a minute. I'll share with you so our listeners know my youngest son is an aspiring hockey player. And everything that you just talked about, I've seen in him at 15 years old, he moved to Minnesota. Minnesota. He goes to a boarding prep school out there that is a hockey school. And he has learned at a very early age all of those disciplines you mentioned, time management, because he's on the road a lot. A couple of weeks ago, he was in South Dakota. He's going to be leaving shortly for California to play in nationals for a week. You have to balance your education. And he's with some of the best athletes in his age group in that sport, and they're all driving each other. So you need all those skills. And I know the answer to this, but I think this kind of ties into your role in the direction director of sports management at LIU and CW Post, I'm thinking, what are your goals there? Is it really to impart your knowledge in that space to them and kind of impart this wisdom about the work ethic, the drive, and the desire? I don't want to put words in your mouth. What are you looking to get out of that? You pretty much answered what I normally (laughs) would say. But nevertheless, yes, my goal, my mission, my objective is to transformationally change young people's lives, men and young men and young women, to have them believe in themselves, to help them build their character, help them build their self-esteem, to help them build their self-worth and have confidence that you can do anything. My, from one of my old adages, old sayings is believing is achieving. You got to believe it. And I'm a living example of believing and achieving coming from humble beginnings in North Carolina, a little small town, as I said earlier, called Hamlet, North Carolina. 8,000 people in the town, 50,000 people in the whole county. Here in Suffolk County, you probably got 50,000 people in two blocks. You know? <laughs> right. But in any event, but that's the stuff I empower, you know, engaged learning. I talk about engaged learning with my students. I want them to be engaged. I want to engage them. I want them to be excited. I want to have the synergy. I want them to have the energy to go out there and be you know, important on when they go and transition to the real world. Not everybody go play football. Not everybody go play hockey. Everybody, basketball, baseball, some of these professional teams, girl or boys. So my philosophy is just take care of your business now so you be able to have something to fall back on. You know, in the NFL, they always say, well, with the NFL, you know, but National Football League, I always tell people it's, nat- it's called not for long. So. Right, right. Listen, I don't know, maybe outside of baseball as a sport, most of the sports, and we talk to both my boys about this all the time, even if you get that opportunity to play at that higher level and go professional, you're out of the sport. If you play to your peak performance, you're done by 40. Football, much shorter than that, even probably Say one 25. of the- Right. It's the life shorter. expectancy is only toward three years now. And most of the guys aren't making the money that the top 1% are making. So there has to be a plan B for when your first career is over to move into your second career, right? And and that's an important piece. Uh, the gentleman I spoke, spoke about earlier from the VP from Fairleigh Dixon University, he what he did to me, it's an interesting little story. i tell you a quick story, uh, Larry. <laughs> he called and said, listen, I think you got the skill, I got the knowledge, you got the wherewithal, you got the, the power and the desire. You can go to school. I said, go to school? I have an undergraduate degree now. 
I got a BA degree. I got a criminal justice minor psychology degree. I, I went against the odds. A lot of guys didn't have any degrees, so <laughs> any kind of degree. But anyway, he's challenged me. He called me for two years, called me twice a month for two years, trying to convince me, are you ready? We're happy. We'll work with it. And so one day he called me in 1989. And he said, are you ready? And I told him, yes. And he was shocked <laughs> over the phone, I must say. He said, you ready? I said, yeah, we're going to work with us and no problem. So I called my uh, attorney, told him that what I was getting about to embark on. He was, like, he was ecstatic. He said, that's great, that's great. And so I jumped in. And so in 89, by 91, I was finished with my program. And that was the proudest moment for me that I said, yeah, Contrary, you know, my thoughts were I have to be first to admit. And I say, being an athlete and, you know, I do my thing and you're playing your sports, whatever perspective sports you're playing and participating in, I'm just going to do this. I'm not going to worry about the uh, that, but education, you know, that's for the smart people. I was saying that, right. really. I said right. that. Which is probably very common yeah, for so many of the guys yeah, in, it the, is. in the league. It is, yeah. to be honest with you. But I say, I'm, I'm going to challenge myself. I did better, I should say, in graduate school than I did in undergraduate. <laughs> I was a 3-0, a 3-1 in graduate, undergraduate. I was a 3, almost a 3-9. Wow. In graduate school. Amazing. But see, the reason that happened is because of my focus. I refocused right. myself. Right. I was a little older yep. at the time. You know, value I my, my, my value, my time management skills are much more <laughs> developed. Yeah. I challenged myself to do that. I wanted to be one of the guys that I didn't want to be a statistics. You've heard that old stereotypical saying words is often said in the sports industry. It's a dumb jocks. I didn't want to be classified as that. that, and that. So I challenged myself. And clearly nobody can call you that. So, <laughs> And listen, you're a big guy, so I don't know anybody would call you that. But no. hey, listen, you're passionate about the sports model approach to leadership. Why do you feel this can be so important? Well, it's a lot of parallel in the business world and the sports world. Lead like a pro. Lead like a pro. Regardless if you're in the, in the sports industry or in the business in Wall Street or whatever, entrepreneurship, it takes a team. Right. You got to have the team in order. Yep. Teamwork makes the dream work. I and so, you more. know, my thing is, what is a leader? What is leadership? What's your definition of leadership? I read somewhere where it said leaders, uh, great leaders are personal individuals to buy into one's concept. What is the concept? It's the idea. It's a notion. And to me, great leaders is uh, visionaries. Mm-hmm. You got to have a great vision. What is vision? People ask me all the time, what is a vision? What's your vision? My vision is the art of seeing the invisible, having a great imagination. Right. Timothy Bopes once said that. That's the thing with me is being energized and having a vision and doing the things that I think is going to give young men and people opportunity to be successful for us in the business world and how that relates to the the parallels of it. The ultimate goal in your world, I'm sure, is to have success and to win. Winning is what you're all about. You don't want to be second best. I know you got adversaries. You got competition out here in your world. Everybody That's, does. Everybody. So Makes you, want, you better. Exactly. So you want to be the first. Right. You want to be the best. You want the people to come to you. You want your customers to come to you or your clients or whatever. You want to call it. And my thing is in the sports world, you want to be with the best team. You want to be with the best guys. You don't want to be second place. You don't want to be with second teamers or third team. You want to be with a team of guys or young women who want to win, who want to be successful. Winning, somebody said to me, I read Paul Bear Bryant, former Alabama coach, way back in the day. And he said, winning might not be everything, but it sure as heck be coming in second place. <laughs> there you go. You now, who want to come in second place? Yeah, Your no. company don't want to be in second place. Right. Why are you in business if that's the case? You want to win. 
You want to have all your your team with you, your whatever role. And that's the other thing that I talk about, Larry, is they call role. Role. What is your person's role? What everybody's role. I don't know. In your company, you got your reception. You got your administrator here. That she got a role. Then you got the rest of your partners on the team. I call them teammates with it. Everybody got a role. Now, what's the role we're going to do? You got to execute your role. If you execute your role, then you got a chance. How did I know that? Perry Williams know that. Because I played with Bill Porcells for eight years and Bill Belichick for eight years as my defensive coach and the head coach. And so we all understood each other's role. Once you understand your role and you go out and you execute your role. My job was to be a defensive back. The Lawrence Taylor job was to rush the quarterback and get the quarterback down. I'm covering the receivers. I'm stopping them from trying to score touchdowns or whatever. Making plays. So, Phil Sims, he was our quarterback, our great quarterback we had. Well, Jeff Hostel, another quarterback we had. Both of those guys are significant and important to me because Phil got hurt in the second Super Bowl run, and Jeff Hostel took it away for us. So, that's the thing that I look at. I love that. You got me fired up. I'm ready to go. I'm, re- I'm ripping out of here. So one of the other things is, and I think it's interesting, especially because of your background coming from a small town, like you said, It's often said people who come to New York have trouble with the pressure of New York, especially coming from a small town, coming to New York as a new person, not knowing what to expect. There's pressure from the media. There's pressure because things are moving so quick. How did you deal with that? And what do you think you can attribute that success to? I was hungry. You were hungry. I was hungry. <laughs> I blocked out the noise. I won't worry about the media. I know it's the media capital of the world. You're talking about Wall Street. You're talking about all the industries up here, high fashion world, industry. you talk talking about the sports world. You're talking about all of those things. I know it's a melting pot, like I said, of the world. But my goal, and I had fun on my goal and, and my attention to the job at hand. I used to like, I'm going to come up here. The person who was my mentor, who really guided me, because as I said, I was from Hamlet. My mother and father divorced when I was three, Larry. So my mother, my grandmother raised me. But my grandmother was my mentor. She used the words of wisdom. She laid it on me, and she said this to me. I wish you're with you and your audience here. She asked me in 83 after I got drafted and getting ready for to go to my first summer training camp in 83 to July. She said, well, who's the man who owned the team? And I said, Mama, I don't really know yet. I just heard his name was Wellington Merrill. She said, okay, well, you do this if you don't do nothing else. You make sure that you work hard. If you play one day, one week, one year, 10 years, it doesn't matter how long you play. You make sure you get that man's honest day's work. And I never forgot that. When I came up here, I was on a mission. I went to work, kept my nose clean. George Young said this to me also. Mr. Young, he says, Perry, if you can keep your nose clean, you work hard and do what the coaches ask you to do every day, and you produce out the field, you're going to play at least 10 years for the New York Giants. Well, I've told people over the years, Larry, George Young lied to me. But it was a good lie because I played 11 years. I didn't play 10. I played 11. So that's what motivated me. It motivated me. I knew I was coming up a little 50,000 people in my whole county. You got 50,000 people on one block in New York. At a game. At a game. You had 50,000 at a game. Yeah, in in Giants Stadium at that time. Now, obviously called Met Life Stadium. That's what motivated me. I was hungry. You're coming from humble beginnings. My mom didn't have much. My mother worked in a textile mill, factory. And I'm not ashamed to say that. She made no more than $12,000 a year. When I got drafted, my mother was making $12,000 a year. That's before Uncle Sam take the taxes out now. So we're bringing home probably $7,500 or whatever a year, $7,000 a year, whatever it was. 
I was hungry because I wanted to make a change. I wanted my grandmother and my mother who had struggled, my grandmother who had sacrificed after my mother got divorced and bought us in, my mother and myself in. And so I got to go and make this happen. So I'm going to tell you a quick story. Sure. It's called a toilet bowl story. All right. In 1971, 72, I was like 11 years old. So I've told this story in many corporate events, but I'm going to tell you with your live guests here today, <clears throat> with your audience. I told my mother and my grandma, I was watching television. I can't remember what game it was that I was watching on TV, NFL game. And I told them, I looked, I turned around in the living room, sitting on the floor, and I told my mother and my grandmother, I said, one day I'm going to be on TV. I said, one day I'm going to be playing in the NFL. One day I'm going to even play in the Super Bowl. And so you can only imagine, my grandmother looked around and my mother, and they were rolling their eyes at each other. And, uh, and my grandmother said, oh, my God, so you hear this boy talking about he's going to play football. That's great that you have a vision, you want to play football in high school, and then you go to college and get your scholarship. That's wonderful to get, education. But playing football, and she was telling my mom, said, yeah, I don't know. I said, <laughs> he might do something, but talking about playing football and be on TV and playing the Super Bowl, so the only kind of Super Bowl he probably end up playing is a toilet bowl. <laughs> but in any event, uh, well, my point here is the moral of the story here to the audience here. The moral of the story is 14 years later, I was in my first Super Bowl. And I called back to North Carolina. We played in Pasadena, California, the Rose Bowl, the great Denver Broncos and John Elway. So the night before the game, I called back because my grandmother was ill. So she could not make it to the game in California that year. So we talked before the game that Saturday night. And she said, good luck. I know you're going to beat them, whoop them good. I said, I oh, sure will, mama. And then before she said, I said, good luck. I said, right, hey, mama. She said, what is it? Before she hung up, I said, what you think about that old toilet bowl? <laughs> so the moral of go. that story is I believed. Right. I believed right. wholeheartedly. I never quit. I never gave up. Amazing. I roared through it, roared the wind, and that's what it's all about. Yeah, that's amazing, and congratulations on that and to stay that focused. You've played, and you've mentioned some of them, you've played and worked with some really iconic NFL personalities. What stands out most from your time with those individuals? You mentioned names like Phil Simms, iconic. Lawrence Taylor, iconic, right? Harry Carson. What stands out most from your time with these guys? The will to win. The willpower. Never quit attitude. Never give up attitude. All these guys had that. Carl Banks, another great man. I know he's on television yeah. now around here from what I understand. And even at the end of my career, we had a little puppy. I called him the puppy, Michael Strahan. My last <laughs> year, my 11th year was Michael Strahan's uh, rookie year. Right. I used to talk to him and put a little words of wisdom in his ear. And Jesse Armstead, he had at the time. These guys were my going and I, I was getting ready to go out and uh, Keith Hamilton. But in any event, those guys had the great will. They had great character. They had great work ethic. But more importantly, they wanted to win. See, that's the thing. Your skill... Your will will always supersede your skill. If you're in the corporate world like yourself, like, True. you're a businessman. The reason you've had success and when I'm standing in your office in your complex here, it's because you will your way. You didn't just wake up and say, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, <laughs> or do it. It's a process, the process that you really went through to get to where you are. That's why you are where you are today, because of your will. Your will supersedes your skill. And you were surrounded by a lot of guys oh, that yeah. had that same right. exactly. will over <laughs> yeah. skill, right? If not more, but they had just as much that I had. Yeah, absolutely. That's why we won. Because Amazing. we won it. Amazing. 
I've heard you say that you've told younger players, and you may have even said this to Michael Strahan when he was a rookie. I don't know. I've heard you say that you've said to younger players, it's all in the mind. We're talking about will and mind over matter. Mindset is something that has been spoken about, I think, more in the last five years than in the last 50. Because I think that the importance of that is coming to the forefront and people are realizing how important that is to your point of will over skill, right? Why do you think mindset is so important? I think you've given us some insight, but it's about self-confidence. It's about your self-worth. It's about your self-esteem. It's no in-between the way I see it. It's either you got the willpower or you do or you don't. Right. Some people quit. Some people give up. And then some people throw in the towel real easily. But see, what I've come from and the struggles that I come from that I had to deal with that I had to go through, it made me stronger. By seeing my mother my grandmother working in textile mills and my grandmother worked as a maid and doing the thing, the struggle, right. the struggle motivated me. I don't want to see my mother and my grandmother struggling like that. And if I got a chance to change that, I'm going to change it. So my mindset was mental toughness, having that mental toughness attitude, going to be willing to go the extra mile. You was willing to go the extra mile. That's why you are where you are today, being a successful businessman. I can see that in you without you even telling me that. Because you wouldn't be if you wasn't. But at the same token, but your disposition, your mindset is a little different. Some people say, well, Williams, you was always straight to face the, you was always focused. And, well, that's the only way I know. Because guess what? If you don't have success, if you don't do your job, guess what's going to happen? Especially in the sports world, I guess in the corporate world, you're going home. You also let down your teammates. You let right? down your teammates. Right. You let down your corporation. You let down your other workers in your company that you work for. Do you think for young people who are listening or even business people, would you say that mindset is the X factor to getting to the next level and being super successful? Is that the one thing that folks should be focusing on to get to where they want to be? Yeah. Yeah. Your mindset. Yeah. Mental toughness. That's reaching that peak performance. Now you're going to be making the peak performance. You're going to meet it in a quarter. You're going to get there. But you go give it your best trying to be the best. That's the whole thing. That's like right here, and we stand in, in, in your office complex here. That's like some guys willing to run to the wall, but are you willing to run through the wall? <laughs> See, right. it might not be logical to do that, but you got that kind of mindset. You're never the steel wheel mentality, never giving up mentality. Now, I understand people got mental issues and mental health problems. I understand Michael Phelps. I re uh, read something about him or Simone Biles, a young lady, a gymnast, and so many other ones uh, that had some issues. I understand that. For me, personally, speaking for myself, really, well, I was self-motivated. I was self-motivated because I got tired of being broke and being truly honest, being contrite here. I had to make sure I could take care of my mother and my grandmother so they can have a better life for them so they not struggle so much. So that's really motivated me, but kept me on the straight and narrow from the drugs and the alcohol and all of that kind of stuff. I knew that I was going to go home. They were going to fire me. They were going to cut me. They were going to send me home. And so I wasn't going home. I need it. I'm hungry. Right. I need it. Yeah. After a while, I got to New York, uh, and I started eating steak and lobster. I, you know, I had never had that before. <laughs> right. Growing up in North Carolina, eat a little pork chops with some little chicken or something like that. But 
when I started eating that, I was like, oh, man, I kind of like this kind of lifestyle. That kind of motivated me, too. So different variables sort of motivated well, I, me. I think people could go either way when yeah. they start eating a steak and lobster. They could veer off the path and say, hey, I'm deserving of this. I earned it. I made it, right? Or they could say... I want to make sure this continues. I want to make sure I double down on this. I want to make sure that I stay clear so I can have an 11-year career. So that's like the inflection point where basically as a player or as a person, a business person, experiencing that, you can really go either way. And then it's really that mental toughness that really gets you to focus on the right direction to keep you in the game for a longer period of time, right? So in 2021... You added special deputy with the Suffolk County Sheriff's Office, and we talked about this before we started recording a little bit, to your resume. Why is this role something you are so passionate about? Well, first of all, Toulon, um, Sheriff Toulon, Toulon, he and I met each other over a couple years ago, several years ago, and I hit it off with him right away. I saw he was a man of character. I believe right off the bat that he was a man of integrity. Just by his, his disposition, just to have him talk in conversation with me. And he said, I'd like to do a couple of things with him. I said, by all means, let's do something, Sheriff. I told him I would help him with the community outreach in Suffolk County. We're going with the schools and talking about drug, alcohol, and words, talking about character being life skills. So I told him that I would do that. So he called me later on and said, well, I'd like to deputize you. I said, deputize? So I was deputized. I had my badge and all that good stuff. So my role with that is to go to schools and embark wisdom to these young men and young women to believe in themselves, get an education, go to school. I know you want to play sports. I know everybody want to play on the pro level, but everybody's not going to play on the pro level. If you can get an education, they can never take that away from you. I talk about that with them. I do various other things with the, with the sheriff's department if they ask me to. Well, sure, too. As a matter of fact, I will be with them in Suffolk County Sheriff's Department next month. They're 16th, I think, 18th. Got a big event I got to do with them I'm doing a presentation. So it's about paying it forward. It's about giving back. And on top of that, from a Christianity aspect, spiritual guy, God gave me a great opportunity. And so now my time has come. I've had my little two minutes of fame or whatever you want to call it. So now it's time to pass the torch. It's time to, you know, transformation, change other lives for these young people to get them to believe in themselves. And that's what pretty much what I do. Titles don't mean nothing to me personally. Title of this, a title of that, and charge it. No, no, I, I got a team. I got a team of people right. that I deal with, at, at, especially at Long Island University. And that's what I told the president of the university. Her name is Kim, Dr. Clementine Klein. Dr. Klein, she's from North Carolina originally <laughs> also. She went to the University of North Carolina. Guess who she, she was a cheerleader. And she cheered for ART when he was in college. <laughs> so how small is the yeah. world with that? Wow, the, the world is very small. But in any event, I told her my goal is to change lives and make the, not only this the students, but it make the whole university better. And from a team process and a team concept. I cannot emphasize that enough because you cannot win without a team. It ain't no I and team. No, I agree. We would always supersede the me mentality. Right. It's clear to me, and I got to thank you as somebody who lives in Suffolk County to have somebody like you who's come out here, played sports for the community and New York, and then to stay here and impart that wisdom upon our young people and help them is very admirable. And I'm grateful that you're here to do that. I really appreciate that. The thing is, to me, again, it's giving back. Right. 
New York been good to me. Yeah. New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, they've been fantastic to me. Great opportunities to meet a lot of great people, go to a lot of different places, opportunities to do some things from uh, transition from the world I was in to the real world. I call it the real world. So it's like me panic giving it back. So I'm going to give you guys something back, even though I live in North Carolina. That's all right. We'll take it. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So one of the things I want to kind of, before we go into our closing question that we ask each of our guests, I wanted to ask you, because as a young person, I think about myself. I was a hockey guy. You always think about when you're a kid playing street hockey or ice hockey, you think about playing in the Stanley Cup as a hockey player. As a football player, you're playing in the streets or you're playing in a field. You're thinking about that Super Bowl, final minute, last pass, right? And I'm sure you as a young child were thinking about that. You shared that story when you were watching TV and you were watching that game and you said, I would be on TV. So I have to ask, how did it compare that childhood dream of sitting there in front of the TV and watching and saying, I'm going to be on or playing football with your buddies or for the school, and then actually being on the field, winning a Super Bowl, not once, but twice. How did that feel and compare to that moment that you ran through your head all those years thinking about it? You know, it was a feeling of confidence. I made it. I was able to make my dream a reality through the good graces of the good man upstairs, our Lord Almighty, I made it. It was a sense of, it's hard to kind of explain that, but a sense of I had achieved my goal, my will, my dream became a reality. I believed and then it happened for me. Just like I was saying earlier, again, about the toilet bowl story, right. that really happened that way. The moment that it really hit me was the first Super Bowl, 1987 Pasadena in the Rose Bowl, they called the starting lineup before the game. Right. And it was the defense. And I, <laughs> so I walking up and the guy was saying, all right, you're getting ready. And the announcer getting ready to call my name. All that stuff flooded back to me. I made it. I'm here. Yep. I finally made it. 103,000 people. You know, I got movie stars on each side of me <laughs> on the sideline. We get ready to run through the tunnel. I remember Dustin Hoffman and some of these other guys was hollering my name. I said, Dustin, the great actor. <laughs> Dustin Hoffman, know my name, call him my name. Let's go, Perry, or whatever. <laughs> what a thrill. What a thrill. But then to run on that field. When 103,000 people clap for you or whatever, what a what a Pretty juiced, huh? Oh, yeah. That gets you gassed up. So I got to ask, did you go to Disney World? No. <laughs> Phil Sims did. <laughs> Phil Sims, MVP, he went to the Disney World. Oh, that's yeah. funny. So listen, Perry, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. And we end our shows by asking each of our guests the same question. Because we are the Midland Money Mindset, we're all about joy. We love joy. So the question is, what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? Well, first and foremost, I prayed. I got on my knees and I prayed and thank God for waking me up today to give me a chance to go out to meet with you guys today and hope to have a successful day to give back, to help somebody, to pay it forward. And that was my day. That's how I think every day, every day I pray. I'm not ashamed to say that, that I get on my knees every day. Amazing. And say the good Lord, thank you for my opportunities. That's the thing that I talk about all the time with people. It's about paying it for, it's about giving. It's better to give than receive. And then I wrote a speech some time ago, Larry, and the title of the speech, How Much Is Enough? How Much Is Enough, Really? I mean, everybody want to make be successful. Everybody want to make money. I understand that. We got to make money to live, and you got to do that. But how much is enough? 
that's part of what I'm going to do uh, next month. I'm working on a program with a conference, lead to like a pro at our conference in Uniondale at the Marriott. We're working on to do a leadership conference. A lot of my former players, Lee Rousson, Herb Eatman, that played in the NFL, Lee Rousson with me on the team with the Giants, both two bold teams there. Sheriff Toulon will be there. I got uh, Bob Glauber, uh, Newsday, ESPN guys. So we got people going to be a, it's going to be a forum set up that we're going to do this thing on April uh, the 28th of next month. Uh, Team building, talking about leadership, we're going to talk about roles, we're going to do all of these things, have a panel set up to do all of this. But it's about how the correlations, I said to you early on again, Larry, the business world and the sports, the ultimate goal is to become successful and to win, have the winner's edge. Very parallel, very parallel. So we'll have all your information in the show notes, but if people want to learn more about you, connect with you, what's the easiest and best place for them to do that? Well, they can connect me at, uh, at perry.williams at liu.edu. Perry.williams at liu.edu. That's straight to awesome. me at the university. I don't hide from nobody. I'm right here. All right. Well, we appreciate that, Perry. And it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for being here and make it a great day. Thank you. I want to thank Perry Williams for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. Perry has been a leader on the field in his quest to win two Super Bowls and a champion in setting himself up for life after football. You do not see many professional athletes prepare themselves for life after their sport. Perry truly is a visionary and saw what he needed to be successful if and when his career in the NFL were to end. Investing in himself, both through education and professional development, Perry has put himself in a position to win off the field and share his recipe for success with countless others, a true testament to his mindset. Perry Williams and the Perry Williams Leadership Conference can be found across most social media platforms. All the contact information needed to find them can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content and please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.